It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome back to the National Security Hour on the America Out Loud talk radio network on iHeartRadio, where you come to hear military and intel experts, the voice of freedom, the out loud truth. America Out Loud talk radio plays on the iHeartRadio network. You can also hear us and listen to us on the media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. By the way, we're now AmericaOutloud.net. Remember, AmericaOutloud.net or .news. Sorry, we went from com to, to news, so I correct that. All right, we have the best in-class apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa, and that's a AAA, and we stream 24-7. So you can get all the news, videos, all the podcasts within 24 hours of the live show that you're going to hear. All of our shows go typically one or two days, all right? So you can hear them on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeart, Apple, and many, many more. And be sure to subscribe and rate the show on Apple because that's where we get most of the action. And on Apple, we get really good feedback on the National Security Hour. So we want you to do that. And be sure to make AmericaOutloud.news your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share the stories, the articles, and the videos so that we can help secure America's future. And with liberty and justice for all, another specialist is on today. We're so happy to have him on. He's been on the two mics before. We want to welcome back Mike Walla. Mike Walla, welcome to the National Security Hour. It's great to be back with you guys. Thank you. It's always great. Always great to have you, Mike. So, Mike, um, I, I called you up about this because, you know, we have so many things going on around the world. But I wanted to zero in today on what you're doing. And you have a book coming out about big intel. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Oh, this is something where it's it's what you see happening to our military and to education and wokeness in schools and everything else has happened to our FBI and our CIA and our entire intelligence community. So people were, aren't, weren't really talking about it, what's happening in the spook world. Uh, so I decided to do a book on it. And so it's coming out in January. Uh, can you give us a little tidbits? But before we do, I just want to say something. Today, it's not just the two mics, your co-host, Dr. Mike and Colonel Mike. It's three mics. I just want to remind you, there's three mics on here today. All right, continue, Mike. Thank you. The, the three mics show. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine imagine a um, if, if you have a – you're basing a case on evidence, right, as a law enforcement agency. Or you're basing an intelligence assessment on facts. You need real objective people. They're going to have their own points of view, but they're objective. And they're going to be providing that evidence for prosecution or those facts and sound analysis for intelligence so that our leaders can make well-informed decisions. But imagine if the people in charge of collecting and interpreting the evidence and the facts are so politicized that they put the outcome of what they want before the facts that's what's happened to the FBI and to the CIA, and it has gone downhill. I've watched it happen because I taught a lot of these uh, students. They were either current FBI and CIA employees or future ones uh, as a graduate school professor, and then seeing them at the uh, at the different training academies and intelligence schools. This has gone downhill for ever since 9-11, really, but uh, Obama accelerated it so that wokeness rules 
in the CIA and FBI. Mike, give us a little bit about your background. And I, I know a little bit about it, the Mike does, but let the audience know who you are. Sure. Well, the background is in the book. It says on the cover that I, I, I had been an operative for the CIA. I was never in the CIA. I was never a CIA officer or analyst, but I did help the CIA uh, on a, a lot during the Cold War when I was when I was actually still in college and then fresh out of college. So I had a close relationship with the intelligence community with a lot of old timers from the OSS who mentored me through this. And then uh, with the FBI, I developed a training program after 9-11. Actually, others developed it. I was part of the development of it uh, uh, for the FBI to train agents on how to go after jihadis in America. And that program was shut down in 2008. We got a really nice certificate from FBI Director Mueller. And he uh, and then he shut down the program because uh, the Muslim Brotherhood was offended by it. Oh, my gosh. They were woke before woke was cool, huh? <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, Mueller really brought it. Yeah, exactly. Mueller really brought it in because, see, the FBI used to be decentralized. You think of the FBI directors, especially J. Edgar Hoover, as being very centralized, which he was. But really, the cases originated in the field offices on the ground. The guys you were comfortable talking to, they didn't have political agendas. They just wanted to bust bad guys. And that changed under Mueller after 9-11. And the whole Bush administration was to centralize the FBI from the top down. They created two new layers of bureaucracy, 60 odd new top level management positions. And they cut the guys in the field away from headquarters, away from the directors. And then they made it a top down entity to go around hunting people who were going to be uh, troublemakers. So it went it reverted back from what it had started out as an intelligence, a domestic intelligence agency with law enforcement functions under J. Edgar Hoover. That was changed to become just a federal law enforcement and investigative and counterintelligence agency. Mueller changed it back to a centralized domestic security agency, domestic intelligence agency with police functions, which is the most dangerous thing of all for democracy. But most people look the other way because it was after 9-11 and we were supposedly going after jihadis trying to wreck our country. I guess we have uh, we, we, go, we should be going after people in our country, wrecking our country at this point. Well, think of this. Think of the, 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 the colossal amount of man hours or person hours or they them hours or whatever they're calling it now that, that is being spent to go after misdemeanor people and, and, and people who were stupid going into the Capitol while all these Hamas networks in the United States have just gone off scot-free. Mm -hmm. Mike, you have something to say about yeah, that? Dr. Well, it's it's the, the Hamas and the Palestinians and most of them. Uh, we, we, I, had a, I, I worked there for almost 25 years. And for my sins, mostly did Afghanistan and terrorism. And the fear of the, the increasing fascism of the FBI and to a lesser extent at that time, until Brennan came along, uh, the uh, uh, CIA uh, was, was apparent. Uh, they were the combination of fascists and cowards. Uh, as Mike just said about, uh, you know, not willing to follow up because you will offend Hamas. Uh, we worked with the FBI when I was a young manager on a on a group in the United States, which I can't remember what the name of was now of it was now, but they were in Red Hell, Virginia. They were in places in New York, 
Colorado, in Canada, up around Toronto, uh, black Muslims, uh, armed black Muslims that lived in camps that were only available to um, uh, their members and usually surrounded with cyclone fence with uh, uh, barbed wire on the top of them, fully armed, dangerous criminals, kind of criminal terrorists, criminals and terrorists. And we were, we started a project and about halfway through it, uh, the FBI backed out of it because they were afraid they were up, they would um, uh, uh, offend black people. And, as far as I know, that organization continues to exist uh, today and probably much more skilled in whatever it wanted to do and probably much more uh, numerous than it was then. Well, but, let me ask Mike Waller. Let me ask Mike Waller. Mike, is that the one that was da- outside of Farmville, Virginia? Would that be one of them? There are so many, it's hard to keep track. So I there can't was one down at Red one. Hill also. Mm-hmm. They're all wow. over the country, though. And and they're now, but now you've you've we've imported untold numbers of Palestinians, uh, Iraqis, other radicalized uh, people, a quarter from million Afghan. and elsewhere, and a yeah. quarter, and, yeah, and haven't even vetted them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They they just keep coming in. I don't know if you follow Michael Yon on Twitter and elsewhere, but he's been documenting. I was down on the border with him uh, mm-hmm. in July and and went to that that colony outside Texas, spent four hours driving around it, and then flew over in a helicopter and a plane on separate trips to see this Washington, D.C. sized city that's being built for illegal aliens. I think it's, it's called Eagle Pass. Pass. I think it's called Eagle Pass. Yeah, Michael has been on this. Oh, gosh, I'd say at least nine months now, Mike. Michael Yon is like the specialist. He's been at the Darien Gap for forever, yeah. Panama. And I've various seen the photographs, that's about a three jet job. Three jet? Yep. Three three jets attack that mother and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, Mike, Mike Yon, who's great, you know, former Green Beret, he's been on many podcasts, many shows, and he's in, in and he's invited many hosts from podcasts and shows to come down there and see it and film it and and get the word out. So we got to thank him. He's a super patriot of our day, uh, doing God's work, as we say, Mike Weller. He, he really is. And the thing is, uh, FBI and CIA have completely dropped the ball on practically all of this. Well, there's a reason for the season, as we say, you know, there's always a reason. Yeah. For the, yeah. I th- I but if you look, so, so it's not, I'm not looking at in the book, I'm not looking at liberalism or anything because the CIA has always been liberal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but, and the FBI has sort of leaned con- more conservative, but not been a politicized organization i mean it was you know fbi that leaked to to uh to, to the washington post to overthrow president nixon and it was still a republican leaning entity in terms of how its its personnel voted i'm looking at the wokeness of it where they what they've done is they have embraced knowingly or not and the ones who have pushed it know precisely what they're doing they've pushed critical theory critical legal theory critical race theory all of these other critical theories that were developed by Stalin's secret services from the 1920s to the 1950s to cause the relentless criticism of everything that our whole civilization is built on to cause us to tear down our own institutions in our own minds and hearts and the way we think and the way we act 
So I document all of this in the book. It started out as a Soviet active measure in Moscow in 1922. Wow. And it was aimed at, at, at taking post-World War I Germany that was very polarized and tearing out the political center. So it was, it was about supporting the German communists and the German anarchists to fight the Nazis last, to tear out the whole broad middle, even the socialists, to tear it all out so that Germany would collapse and the communists could take over. But it backfired on them, and they actually ended up inadvertently helping Hitler take over. What did we do in our wonderful naivete? We welcomed all of those uh, uh, Stalinist so-called scholars in Germany at a place called the Frankfurt School to come to America and to teach at the teacher's uh, college at Columbia University and to teach our <laughs> diplomats, future diplomats, to, and, and to, to bring critical theory here and incubate it and make it uh, into what became mainstream thought. So now it's even gone into the legal profession where they've got critical legal theory, which is you don't go by evidence and precedent and facts and law and all of that. You go by what is your desired outcome? And we have to correct whatever injustices and tear our system down by using the legal system. That permeated American law schools uh, 30 years ago. It really permeated them. And now you've got those lawyers went out to what? Worked for the Justice Department, got all kinds of government jobs, became FBI analysts, became FBI agents, became FBI management, became federal prosecutors, and we have what we have now. Mike, can I ask a question? Um, when Trump came in, he said he wanted to clean the swamp. You and I both know, Mike, no, we're, we're Beltway guys. We've been around a long time. You couldn't do it in one, one turn, and he didn't have the right people next to him, as you know. He didn't even try. He didn't right. even try. He talked a big game, but he was all full of crap. He didn't even try. He appointed the the locust CIA director after Brennan to, to to run the CIA after Pompeo. He never did anything to repeal Obama's executive orders that were pushing wokeness through our government. He appointed Christopher Ray. He appointed General Milley. He appointed this latest chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, this Looney Looney Tune, General Brown. Appointed him as appointed him as chief of staff of the Air Force and teed him up for Biden to impose wokeism on our armed forces. So Trump, sadly, and I voted for the man twice, was part of the problem. Well, thank you, Mike Walla. We agree. I think Mike and I agree with you, Doctor Mike. We got the last couple of minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to to point out one thing that started in the Clinton administration is the agency, and I don't know about other agencies in the in the community, but our agency uh, made it a point not to hire people, Arabs, Russians, East Europeans, who still had families in those countries because the ability to threaten that family to make the person in America do something was always very real and very serious to get them to commit treason against the United States. So there was just, that seemed like a natural guideline. Well, well, Clinton got rid of that. And then uh, Obama began to fill the agencies, especially CIA, with depravity, which is another kind of uh, weakness in terms of somebody uh, uh, compromising you, bribing you, threatening you. And so I would think that the whole, the whole structure of the agency is infested with these people at every level. Plus, yeah, you have diversity I mean, month now. Diversity yeah. month now in both agencies. You have diversity and and uh, gay, lesbian, LBGT month. Mike, we're almost coming down to the last minute. Would you like to stay for another segment? Do you have time? Sure. Yeah, sure. 
All right. So we're going to go. We have uh, one and a half minutes right now. Michael Shewer, do the one minute and I'll do the, the extra. Go ahead. OK. I, you know, it's it's a it's such an enormous job to clean this bureaucracy because the, the, the failures of the agency or the failures of the FBI are contagious in the sense that the same thing is happening to DHS. It's headed by a guy who wants to return the southwest United States to to uh, Mexico. And and uh, it, we're we're just in a position where we we've created our own uh, hell in many ways. All right, hold it right there, Mike. Hold it right there. We'll talk about the Incas, the Mayans, and the Aztecs because <laughs> they're such a great such a great civilization. They ate each other, so they're not around anymore. We want to recreate them. Hey, we want to thank you for joining us on the National Security Hour. You're on with Dr. Mike, Colonel Mike, and Mike Waller. The three Mikes are on today. This is very interesting. We're talking about Mike's new book. Big Intel coming out in January, and he's an Intel specialist. He knows what's going on. We're going to talk about his Twitter feed, I think, in the next segment. If you want to see some action, you got to watch Mike Waller on Twitter. So this is Colonel Mike saying, hey, we're coming up on commercial. We'll see you on the other side. Thank you. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the National Security Hour. We're happy to have on with us as our guest today, Mike Waller, longtime Intel specialist. First segment was great. You don't want to miss it. You're on with military and Intel experts, the voice of freedom, the outlaw of truth, with liberty and justice for all. Dr. Mike, Colonel Mike, and Mike Waller. So, Mike, let's continue. Is it Dr. Mike goes first or Waller? Tell me. No, <laughs> Mr. Waller goes first. All right, Mike Waller. Let's continue. We were talking about your book, which is coming out in January. So excited to hear about it. Big Intel. You heard the first segment if you've been on. If not, go back. Mike, would you like to continue a little bit? And also, tell us a little bit about, you have a great Twitter feed, by the way, very active. And I know that you have a lot of things going on within the Chinese CCP on that Twitter feed. Would you like to touch on that a little bit? Oh, yeah. Here we are, distracted by, you know, Ukraine and then 
Israel, the Hezbollah war, and then Iran coming in, and then, oh, wait a minute, there's the Chinese communists who are the worst danger of all to, to us. And uh, th- yeah, this is another area where I, I don't cover it in, um, in, uh, in big intel, but the corruption of the, uh, of, the, of the academic feeder schools that train, educate and train our intelligence officers and analysts is insane. It still is. The, the Trump administration, I was critical of them before in the earlier segment, but I've got to really praise them because they were going after different American uh, state university systems and other, other schools that were tied in with the Chinese Communist Party. And the way they were able to go after those schools was those universities, this included the Texas uh, state system, are feeder schools for the U.S. military and for the National Security Agency and elsewhere. And the schools had Chinese language uh, programs and Chinese area studies programs that were certified by, and often um, the curriculum was provided by, the Chinese Communist Party. So you literally had the Chinese Communist Party educating and training our future intelligence officers and analysts at American universities. You can never have any more lazy people than tenured professors in universities and American military generals. So I think that's the, an opportunity that no one misses a chance to take advantage of. Oh, yeah. If you were general, Mike, I wouldn't be talking to you. I don't trust anybody above yeah. six. <laughs> it, and, it, and it's the, the right position to have. You know, this, yeah. this, this guy, Petraeus, he's the only man who ever lost two wars and then became almost a cabinet mem- member by being the CIA chief. And, and, yeah, and, and look what he, what he was doing while he was CIA chief. Yeah, it, 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 so, it, it, that's exactly correct, sir. Yeah, a lot of these guys are great tacticians, but but they don't know how to win wars. And I don't, you know, I, none of us were alive when we last won a real war. No. So, so, and if you look, if you go to the Department of Defense Dictionary of Military and Associated Terms, which comes out every year, it's put out by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, they removed the word victory. They don't mm. define victory. In fact, the word doesn't even exist. You do. It's a 400-odd-page PDF you can download, and, and the word victory doesn't even appear. Wasn't Mattis, Mattis removed for one of the reasons because he want, demanded a victory? And what was it, in Iraq? He spoke openly. Yeah, ter- terrible thing. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's, uh, let's get our people killed uh, so that we won't win. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the quality of man uh, that you have in the General Officer Corps is men who are know their president will not win the war, doesn't mean to win the war, even if he started it. And yet these men let their, or lead their, supposedly lead their young men and women in the combat to get killed for absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, son, my son served and I was so glad when he didn't enlist, for, re-enlist further because he, uh, because if we're not going to win wars and we're not really going to defend our national interests, why serve in the armed forces? Why? Exactly right. It's so sad to say. And well, it's, it's the same thing impossible. with the intelligence community. It's almost impossible to, yes, it's almost impossible to, to believe that America could come to a point where someone would discourage his son or daughter from serving in either the intelligence community or the military. But that's yeah. where we are at the moment. Yeah. Well, and Mike, it's, what do you say about a border? You got $980 billion defense budget, Mike. What do you say about that? What do we do with that money? (laughs) Well, first of all, I think you could safely cut the Pentagon budget easily in half 
and get more bang for the buck because there's so much grotesque waste and fraud and abuse. Anybody who's been to a military base sees this. Anybody who's done work with military contractors sees this. Uh, you 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 look at uh, at the huge markups in um, in in what we have to pay for things that the military should be doing on its own, or the military shouldn't be doing at all. And and just look at just that waste and all the fraud and abuse that comes with it. To say nothing of the fact that we have no grand strategy anymore. What we're still doing is sort of post-Cold War, modified to deal with jihadists, kind of, um, but not a real, you know, going back to what we did right after World War II, say, okay, we defeated the Nazis. What are our priorities now? Who's out to get us now? What should we do? And we set up, we had a whole National Security Act, 1947, 1948, and the creation of the Department of Defense and the CIA and a whole constellation of entities for the purpose of national defense and to get around the bipartisan, to embrace and to promote this bipartisan consensus on containing communist expansion, the containment strategy. We have not had a reassessment since that time. Wow. So, so much of what we have is based on a false premise, on a false strategy. So our our priorities are not there. Yeah. Mike Stewart? I, I think that that's probably correct. We don't have a priority. We have uh, a lot of wishing and a lot of people who behave as if they believe this is still 1945 and that we were the greatest power on earth. And now we're just a laughing stock. You know, the, 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 the idea that somehow anybody on this earth shivers if we get cross-eyed with them is a little bit strange, especially over the last decade when, when, the Iranians, the uh, the uh, uh, Chinese, uh, almost any foreign Russians, Iran, you know, anybody who's a, our opponent has been able to get its either intelligence officers or paramilitary people into this country and hide uh, for a later date. We're a joke. And, yeah. and we're a joke to ourselves. We ought to be laughing. We have no reason at all to believe that this country is secure in any facet of its operations. No, I mean, if you think, put yourself in an adversary's shoes. Do you really fear America anymore? Do no, you they really believe fear us what we they, don't, they don't fear us. They believe in us dry. They know what they're doing. Yeah. They, they're doing to us what we did to the Soviet Union, Mike. But even worse, because we were we were not colonizing the Soviet Union with right. people crossing the border all the time. I mean, right. it, we we had a whole different strategy, and it worked. And and really, the record should show that Joe Biden, as a senator, he he's been a U.S. senator since I was in the third grade. <laughs> and, and I'm getting my senior citizen discounts now. So so <laughs> so, so so he's. He's, he was on the wrong side the entire time. Look at his voting record as a senator. He voted against the whole Reagan strategy to take down the USSR. He voted against missile defense. He voted against nuclear modernization. He voted against all of these things. And in fact, he voted to force Ukraine to disarm its nuclear weapons unilaterally after the Soviet Union broke up. He must with have a been fake a promise that we too. Well, well, you know, if he if he... If he was a Soviet agent, what would he do differently than what he did? So, well, yeah, so, just yeah, it's exactly work for the Soviets, work for the Chinese. Same, same kind of organization, same kind of, of ideology, same kind of thirst for power and uh, anti-human activities. Let yeah. me ask both of you: 
Are you familiar with Joe, Joe Biden being a member of the Council of a, for a Livable World? Which is a Soviet oh. front kind of organization. Um, you know, they make it sound nice, you know, like climate change is so beautiful, global warming. Well, this is a, like a front group that was uh, put up by the communists in America. He was one of the founding members. I didn't know that. I do yes. remember the organization during the Soviet times because it was always siding with, it was part of every Soviet active measures campaign to um, whitewash everything the Soviets were doing and to make it so that American and allied uh, nuclear forces were the threat to the world and not not the Soviets or the Chinese communists. And then you had uh, Al Gorleone's father, uh, the, sen- the the other Senator Gore, who was a you know big time promoter of Soviet Union. So we had a lot of these snakes, that, you know, early on. They go back. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, Albert Gore Sr. back in the 50s. So when Al Gore Jr. was just a boy, uh, he he was not well off or he was always in financial difficulty. So who helped him? Who bailed out the Gore family back in the 50s? Armin Hammer. Oh, there you go. Armin Hammer, you go. Soviet agent. You know, his father <laughs> funded the Bolshevik Revolution, Julius Hammer. And right. so Armand Hammer is a fully recruited Soviet agent. And what does he do? He makes Senator Albert Gore Sr. his pet senator. And then Al Gore Jr. is raised under this guy. And then Clinton and puts him in charge of, of, of the whole post-Soviet collapse policy, which is why there was when we were trying to find an orderly way to, to uh, you know, in a bipartisan way to make sure the Soviet former Soviet Union wasn't going to be a danger. Al Gore made sure that the Kremlin maintained total control of all the Soviet nukes, including in other countries that had inherited them, and that the U.S. never, ever tried to push Russia to expose its CIA archives and stand down its hostile operations against them. And then let's go over down memory lane a little bit further. Come, you know, fast forward. Hillary Clinton was involved with something called, if I'm correct, Mike, Uranium One. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. And what was that all about? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, see what the what the Clinton administration did in the nineties was, and they they were open about it. They they saw uh, foreign policy as a business enterprise, and they saw national security as a business enterprise. You know, they came out of Arkansas. They didn't know or care anything about it. They've got Al Gore and Strobe Talbot running the the whole. You know. Uh, what to do with the former Soviet Union portfolio. And and I remember this from working in Congress when there were um, uh, lawmakers who didn't want to join the Foreign Affairs Committee or the Foreign Relations Committee in the House and Senate because it had no real, didn't have the prestige that it used to have, and it had no real grassroots support back in the whole districts or states. So, so the Clinton administration argued that you can turn this into business opportunities for your districts by joining the foreign policy committees of the House and Senate and therefore make it a pork barrel legislation program as opposed to something to promote the American national interest around the world. Yep. And, you know, I, I would I would raise other one other thing about the Clinton administration is that Clinton himself went to Africa for a big tour. And then the CIA director at the time, whose name I can't remember, but he was supposed to be a brilliant mathematician. He came from either NSA or the State Department, but they sat down together and decided where to close uh, diplomatic facilities, U.S. diplomatic facilities around the world. 
and remove CIA bases or stations. And what, what that ultimately did in Africa, Latin America, and other places was to provide the, the Chinese communists with the ability to get in and, and uh, really call the show to their, to their uh, uh, liking. The Chinese now have 17 uh, uh, ports, mostly deep water ports in Latin America that they either they, that they've built and many more that they built, but they have 17 that they run and manage. And in Africa, they're on the same course. In the last uh, 20 years, they've built 49 ports in, in Africa. And I believe that 11 of, them, 11 of them are deep water ports, and seven of those 11 are managed by uh, Chinese companies. So yeah, clearly, Right, and those Chinese companies managing those deep water ports are going to create uh, the facilities for the communist China to have a global blue water navy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly mm-hmm. the case. And and you know that just goes floating by people's. You know, if you're not going to have a military that can win a war, you better have non woke agency and diplomatic people in the field. Uh, FBI was useless before woke, and it's useless now. But it's dangerous now too. Right, it's dangerous now. Yeah. If you if and in, in big intel, I went back and I looked at the history more of, of the FBI under J. Edgar Hoover. And uh and there were few laws that allowed the FBI to do what needed to be done. So every single president and and Congress overall for decades just gave Hoover a wink and a nod, just go ahead. That's and right. Do it. So That's a right. lot of Hoover's ex I mean, anybody's going to make mistakes or do you know, overstep his bounds after 50 years in the same position. Right. So, 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 but had, if you look at Hoover, he, he acted with such remarkable restraint when he could have become a real secret police chief had he wanted to. Yeah. He, he acted with far more restraint than, than the present FBI. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their goal was, you know, counterfeiting bank robbers, and domestic kidnappings and that kind of thing, things that are worthwhile to the people, not trying to create some kind of a, a, a police state in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it began, it, Hoover's uh, origins began at the Justice Department, uh, heading something named the Radical Bureau, right uh, at the end of World War One and, uh, and into the 1920s. And his job was to map all the foreign radicals in the united states communists anarchists you name it and to deport them yeah and the group that was that was uh, and, and leon trotsky came to new york city to foment revolution here in early 1917 so so hoover's job was to to document these and round them up and this was a time of anarchist bombings and terrorism and assassinations, you know, there'd been 20 years of assassinations. President McKinley in 18, what, 1898, he was elected then, President McKinley then, and then the President Teddy Roosevelt was shot in the chest while giving a speech. Yeah. And and there were you know, bombs going off, and there were all kinds of things, and there were no federal laws to deal with this. So Hoover uh, was, was told to take that role and to map these networks, and that's how he started out, and he spent his entire life warning about the communist subversion of our institutions and the, the goals to tear down patriotism, the goals to subvert education and religion and, and 
faith in our founding principles and everything else. He took on that role as FBI director, even though there was no law for it, but he was the moral spokesman for this. And he was, he was uh, the most popular man. And for years, one of the most popular figures in the entire United States. There were a whole lot of Gallup polls on this. Hang on, hang on. Hold that thought. Mike, you're going to have to stay on for the last segment. Can you do it? Sure. Okay, thank you. We're going to be coming up on the commercial. We want to thank you. You're on with Michael Waller. Michael Waller's got a new book, Big Intel. Dr. Mike, your host, Colonel Mike, your host, on the National Security Hour. Hey, remember, it's AmericaOutloud.news with liberty and justice for all. You want to be there 24-7, be here or nowhere. Okay, so we're going to go to the final segment in a minute. Before we go to commercial, I just want to remind you, it's the National Security Hour, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday to Friday, where you come to hear military and intel experts. And this is a great conversation. The last part, we're going to touch a little bit about Clinton and China, but the FBI, we did a deep dive just now. Thank you. We'll see you on the other side. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news, liberty and justice for all. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. You're back with two mics on the National Security Hour on AmericaOutloud.news. AmericaOutloud.news, where you come to hear liberty 
and justice for all. This has been a great conversation. We're coming up on a final segment, and we're with Mike Walla, who's got a new book coming out in January, Big Intel. We just spoke about the FBI with Dr. Shoy. Mike, let's go back to Clinton for just a second. Remember how it started with the uh, the money transfers from the Indonesia Chinese family and uh, how oh, the, the Riyadis. The Riyadis, yes. And how that infiltrated with John Wong in those days. And now here we are with Joe Biden many years later, who was part of that cartel anyway, the the Biden, the Clinton cartel. And remember, she was secretary of state. Let's just do a quick run around about the CCP getting in in the early days. So they've been embedded a long time at this point. They've been embedded a real long time. And, and what you were talking about there with the Clinton case was the funding of our politics and our presidential campaign. But it really began before then with Henry Kissinger to to co-opt American business leaders and investors to get them to have such a financial stake in this in the success of the Chinese Communist Party that they would literally be advocates of the Chinese Communist Party in a subtle way, meaning don't do anything that will upset them. And that paved the way for the Clintons. It sort of mainstreamed it for the Clintons to start taking foreign money for campaigns. And then they effectively got away with it. And now it's uh, it's almost something that, that the public, you know, it doesn't shock the public anymore to see that our politicians are being paid like this. Well, didn't, didn't uh, Henry Kissinger open up, I think it's Kissinger and Associates, which was him and Mac McClarty, who was the chief of staff for Bill Clinton, correct? Yeah, and and yeah, Kissinger kept it bipartisan just to keep everything nice and smooth, and 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 uh, and can then continue to dispense national security advice, which he still does today at age a hundred. And he never ever sought to separate his business decisions or his business advice from his advice as a quote senior statesman who knew a lot about diplomacy and strategy and national defense. So he for his for the past forty years he's been dispensing diplomatic advice and strategic advice while his his whole company depends on it good graces with the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, it's so amazing. I'm like, Dr. Shore, what do you say? I say it's a whole terrible uh, situation for the United States, and I frankly don't know how to get out of it. Uh, we seem to have a, an absolute inability to realize that nations don't exist because we want them to exist, including our own but that you have to have a viable uh, political system that's not authoritarian. You have to have a viable economy and you have to have a society that is at least amiable toward each, the people are amiable toward each other, if not bosom buddies. And right now America loses out on all three of those things. And how we get back to where we were or even halfway back is kind of a mystery to me. And, um, becoming increasingly difficult, I think, as every day passes, it becomes more and more unlikely. The other, one, one point I wanted to make, though, on, on Hoover is that Hoover was uh, one man who was in a position to really stop our artificial entry into World War II. He would not help the British in their covert operations in this country in, from 1938 to 1941, unless it was approved by the president. And he went to see the president and the president said, and basically turn a, turn a, uh, a blind eye toward what the British are up to in this country. And so they were permitted, um, uh, uh, you know, carte blanche to operate in this country against opponents of the war, against opponents of the president, 
uh, in the interests, whatever they could do in the interest of Britain. But that was that was Hoover too. Uh, he he had he was very respectful of uh, people who were more powerful than he was. But once he got the go ahead, he went after those uh, people who were, and it was only eighty percent of the American people at the time who opposed entry. Whether that not, whether or not that pushed us into war, certainly Roosevelt's uh, uh, you know arranging the attack on Pearl Harbor was a great thing. Uh, for Roosevelt, who wanted war more than anything. Yeah, Hoover, uh, and I discussed this in a different way in the book, but Hoover was also worried because uh, we didn't have a foreign intelligence service at the time. We had naval intelligence and army intelligence, but no no uh, intelligence service the way we have it today, sort of civilian, in quotes, intelligence you know service. What? military so, intelligence has always been worth, Mr. Waller. <laughs> you know what military intelligence has always been worth, which is not a great deal. Yeah, yeah, it might yeah. maybe maybe some tactical, but yeah. So yeah. anyway, so we really didn't have anything, and we um, so the British, you know, n- noted this, and Roosevelt noted this. So the British, very kindly, not because they loved us, but because they wanted to save their empire. Uh, gave us a jump start to begin the Office of Strategic Services, the OSS, with with Bill Donovan. And in one way, it was a great help to us, but we weren't even part of the war at the time. But in a in a different way, it was a it was a really shafting us because the the operations person at the British uh, embassy in, in the United States was a, was an intelligence officer, British intelligence officer named Dickie Ellis, and he was a Stalinist agent. So you had a Stalin agent working for British intelligence setting up the OSS for the United States. Well, so when when Donovan recruited yeah. into the OSS, he recruit, recruited full communist agents and fully recruited Soviet NKVD and GRU military intelligence agents and officers into the OSS. Well, and it got so rotten that Hoover was, was, was beside himself, and he, he barely had a grasp of it, but he did have access to some of the Venona intercepts that the Army Signal Corps was decrypting at the time. This was when the Army Signal Corps uh, cracked the Soviet code and was able to decrypt a lot of Soviet communications between Moscow and the United States. And but he could not re- reveal that even to Roosevelt because Roosevelt would blab it and then let the Soviets know that we had broken their codes. Let's give a so shout to out. To her, let's give a shout out to J. Edgar Hoover. Continue, Dr. Mike. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I think that that is ex- exactly correct. And that's the problem with has always been the problem with the MIs, whether it's six or five, is that they're so polluted with Cambridge and Oxford people who trust each other implicitly at all times and then cover for things they that surprise them by the that are undertaken by those people that they're always going to be penetrated right Most people have, as they were then as they were then sir with the with the cambridge five and if it yeah. was only five you know i don't believe it was only five I but you had you, and, then, and then you had what you had the, the you had the uh, the really great man in, in cia intelligence very counterintelligence very controversial james angleton was yes. great friends with the MI6 man Kim Philby, who was one of the Soviet spies. Well, we have been, we have never really in the intelligence world, we have never graduated from colonials to independent people. 
we are yeah. we are still impressed by how they dress, how they speak, how their manner is, and really their ability to collect intelligence that's worthwhile is very limited. And oftentimes, uh, what MI5 collects or MI6 collects, especially MI6, is done on the basis of American funding. It is it is a it is a tragic situation. So many times when we had a chance to either kill or capture Osama bin Laden, George Tenet would argue to the president that we can't do this because it's only our intelligence and it's one string of intelligence. Only if the British could confirm it, then should we go ahead. And that's 19, the late 1990s. He's talking like a colonial, as if Mother England is going, is going, to, is going to do anything to help us, really. You know, and when you look around at the mess in the Middle East, that's mostly the remnants of what the British did out there for so British long. legacy. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And this and, and actually, you know, and this part was was cut out of the book because the manuscript ended up being too big, but there's I'll do something with it. Uh the British Secret Services, so MI6 Foreign Intelligence and MI5 domestic security, they are as woke, if not more woke, than the CIA and the FBI. Oh, it's pathetic. No. All the five eyes are. The Canadians are, the New Zealanders are, the Australians are, and the Israelis are. The Shin Bet and Mossad and the IDF are all woke as hell. And if, if you, if you know, I, I don't like to criticize them in the times of war, but it happens, it, it's, it just happens to be, be that, that they, when, when, you, when you become, when you put wokeness and your social agenda ahead of your own strategic national defense, and ahead of understanding your enemy's intentions, you're going to get attacked. Yeah. Hold on a second. Hold on a second, guys. I got a text here right now from a listener. He wants me to ask Dr. Mike and Mike Waller, do you think that the Israeli government dropped the ball or this was intentional? Or is there anything else? I think they dropped the ball. I've, I've been in pretty good touch with some people over there who are in a in a position to know, and they had expected some kind of increased attack. Uh, you know, half a dozen or a dozen or a few dozen at most different terrorists doing different attacks. Nothing on this scale by any means. This came as a but complete Mike, surprise. Mike, it was Young Kipper. It was a Young Kipper anniversary, and it was uh, the the Sukkot holiday for the the holiday for the Jewish people. And in the Christian world, it was called the Feast of Tabernacles. So during that kind of high holy day, you got to expect something, no? Oh, sure. You, you, you look at how different of these terrorist organizations work, both the Islamist and communist. And, and we have to remember that the, uh, the, uh, the, the whole Palestinian, quote, liberation movement was a Soviet creation. Uh, so it's another one of these zombie active measures that just won't die. They, they, they 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 look they they appreciate anniversaries and they will often attack on anniversaries and the fiftieth anniversary is a big deal, and then you have the high holy holidays, but you also have what else? You have a severely divided Israeli government, where the the legal system was trying to impose a coup d'état against the elected prime minister, to the point oh. that they weren't even speaking, and the Israeli Defense Forces reserves were on strike. <laughs> up until the day of the attack wow so you think if, if if think of it from a from a from an iranian standpoint by the mullahs or a by a by a hamas standpoint if your enemy the mighty israelis the invincible israelis are that divided that 
remember they talk about Israeli civil war. Right. Right. Not long ago. This is the time to attack. Exactly. So why, why, for would, everyone. why would the Israeli security apparatus let its guard down and not have things so be, be so completely on their toes that they would anticipate, say, hey, maybe Hamas might have learned from the Ukrainians on how to use drone warfare on the cheap. <laughs> well, I, I think that's right. And it, I, I, I would be very surprised if the intelligence services of the Israeli government and their human assets in inside uh, Gaza and other places, if they didn't know what was going on. And it's caused me to go back and think about why did we refuse on at least a dozen occasions to capture or kill Osama bin Laden before 9-11? Did we need him alive? Why did we defer to the Soviets? Or not to the Soviets, I'm sorry, to the Saudis on whether or not to, to uh, uh, attack him or catch him or whatever. And the two are so similar to me because certainly in the United States after 9-11, all they could do was try to bury um, the failure of the Clinton government, deliberate failure of the Clinton government, and and uh, ridicule the intelligence service that there was a, a lack of imagination, I think that that Dick Clark called it. Well, that was a lot of baloney. There were there were we delivered him on a on a on a platter, and every time they did, they found a reason not to do it. Because Mike, it was, how many times did you deliver him? That's the question. How many times? We had, my group of officers had delivered ten times, and the group that wow. immediately succeeded them, which was basically the same group only enlarged. Uh, before 9-11 had another half dozen opportunities. 16 times our government denied taking out Osama bin Laden. Imagine Not that. Dr. They, canceled, yeah. they canceled one time because uh, you would have had to kill him in a mosque. If you can believe that. You know, <laughs> for the people that dropped how many bombs in Dresden right on top of churches, and that's what it required. But, you know, this is, it's an unbelievable situation to live through. And it's brought, been all brought back to me by this business in Israel. Well, you know what? Maybe they were waiting for him to show up at a Volkswagen or Mercedes dealer. Mike Waller, continue. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Boy, you're raising, you're raising so much stuff here. I think a lot of it just gets down to, <clears throat> to uh, the, the intellectual weakness and the, and the uh, lack of moral courage that our leaders have had. And they've just softened up over the past generation or two. Because you, you, if you're collecting the intelligence and that intelligence is not analyzed right to inform the national leadership of something, or you have elements of the national leadership that are so weak to say, you know, no, we're not going to go with, with these options before us, then you're going to have these advanced knowledge of things that either never makes it to the top or it's, it, is, uh, it is discarded uh, because of wishful thinking. Now, who would have thought that the uh, Israeli Defense Forces uh, and the Israeli Civil Defense would be so short on so much of the supplies that they need for for emergency response and all these other things that they're really short of it? That's why they're having to raise a lot of money and humanitarian assistance, because they never maintained their stocks over time. They a lot of them really thought they could buy off Hamas, that they could just, you know, the new the new peace process would would somehow keep Israel safe from these 
terrorist leaders living with, with the emir of Qatar to, and that's a whole different issue, to go back and to launch these this attacks, which is, which is not going to be simply, uh, it's not going to be an anti-terrorist operation. Now you've got Hezbollah coming in, you've got the Lebanese, not to be redundant, coming in, you've got the Syrians coming in, you've got the Iranians coming in, and Hamas and the Iranians have essentially declared jihad on the world. Well, Mike, we're coming down to the final two minutes. I want to give you my point of view. Also, Tel Aviv is the gayest capital in the world. It's advertised everywhere. Big time, big time promotion. Do you think your neighbors who don't believe in that are a little bit upset? Do you think your neighbors who, who don't believe in that are like, what a great time to get this? Right? What do you think? we got a minute. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I've been tracking it on my J, J. Michael Waller uh Twitter page and and there's these American groups called Queers for Palestine and they're holding up <laughs> rainbow and tranny flags with the Palestinian and Hamas flags as if, okay you know what, guys go to Gaza please do us all a favor and go to Gaza <laughs> and show your solidarity there you know you won't last five minutes we hey Mike we're going to put your Twitter feed in the footnotes it's so great to have you on thank you for coming back and being on with the National Security Hour with Dr Mike Colonel Mike. We'd like to have you back on as soon as the book is almost out or when it's out. You know, let us know. Give us a holler. We're happy to have you back. Dr. Mike, final word. we got a half a minute. Let's go. Yeah, I, I would just say that uh, Osama bin Laden, in terms of intelligence, did the most brilliant thing you could think of. Is that what that was to reveal his whole plan in open source material, uh, easily available in, in, in translation to all American leaders, and they never let read a lick of it. If it's not, if, if it doesn't have a secret or top secret label on it, they won't read it. All right. I want to thank my guest, our guest today, Mike Waller. His new book coming out January, Big Intel. That's it for the National Security Hour. Remember, the National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. And we mean that. 